Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Up until this point in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has spoken about a future exile when the northern kingdom of Israel will be conquered and its people will be held in captivity. If you read chapter 39, you would see great uh, warning about how things were going to be destroyed and taken over. And from chapter 40 and on, Isaiah is speaking to those who are currently living in captivity. If we had time, we'd walk through the entire chapter of Isaiah 40 because it's the chapter of comfort and the chapter of hope. I would encourage you today to open up to Isaiah 40 and read it and say, okay, they were dealing in a different time frame, but the words spoken can still apply to me today. In this moment, the Israelites were plagued with uncertainty. They were filled with questions only God or His prophet could answer. And so as they referred, Yahweh, or God, spoke through Isaiah. And that Isaiah chapter 40 is all about comfort in very terrible, terrible, horrendous circumstances. I believe the words that Isaiah wrote then should be and can be and has comfort and hope for us today as we close out 2020 still in some pretty tough circumstances. And none of us know when the end is in sight with this pandemic and the way this year has been. I want us to focus on one key verse, though. One key verse, just look at it with me. But those who hope. Would you say that word with me? If you're with me in here today, would you say that word hope? Let's say it again. Hope. If you're online, I want you to just type that in the comments. Just type in the word hope. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I don't know about you, but I could use some strength renewing today. I, I'm tired of this. I, I'm tired of the pandemic. I, I'm tired of 2020. I, I, I'm worn out. Still hopeful because I know where my hope belongs and who gives me my strength. But Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so Isaiah is telling the, the people there, listen, yeah, Babylon has taken over you, but you can still have hope. You can still have strength. You can still soar even though circumstances stink. So let's just talk about this word, hope. What is it? Hope is not only hard to find. I think it's, 
it can be difficult or challenging to even define the word hope. Some equate hope with an optimistic feeling that all is well and all will turn out okay. Some we hear every spring or, or fall football season with UK football. We, we hope for a great season, or, or right now for basketball. We, we hope they can turn this around. Something of hope in, in that kind of thing. For me, I, I hope my football team can make the playoffs one day. And, and that's one way of, of hoping. For some, it's wishful thinking. I, I hope the weather will be better tomorrow. That's kind of terminology we use. I hope I'll have a, a good week at work this week. I hope my loved one gets over their sickness. We use the word hope in so many different ways. It's sometimes hard to define. It's, it's kind of, we think of that general feeling or desire of something that will be fulfilled. But Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. What does it mean, hope deferred? Those who have no hope become very sick in the heart. Stress overwhelms. That's what he's saying. If we don't have any hope, stress overtakes us. If we don't have any hope, we get downcast. If we don't have any hope, we get depressed. That's hope being deferred. Some of you lost hope today. And I don't think it's because you didn't get the present you wanted this week. And children sometimes have that list and go, I got most of it. But even as an adult, sometimes we want presents, but Usually it's not presents that are wrapped. Some of us have lost hope because life has just been coming at you really hard this year. Some of you have lost hope by disappointment of your expectations that have evaporated. Some of you lost hope just because of 2020 has been so stinking tiring. Some have lost hope because they lost their job or because the bills are piling up, piling up. Or some have lost hope because they're trying to get pregnant and it hasn't happened. Some have lost hope because... They lost a loved one or they didn't get the promotion or your child broke your heart doing something that you didn't want them to do. Some have lost hope because divorce has cl hit close to home. I mean, there's a lot of things that attack our hope. There's a lot of things that affect our, our hope quotient. You had high hopes, but life has maybe hit you hard. I, I came across a couple Bible-based definitions of hope that I find very helpful. One is that hope is a future certainty grounded in a present reality. Present reality, 2020. It stinks. But I have hope because of future certainty, the Lord's going to return. Right? That, that, that's the definition. Or hope is wishing for what God has already promised to us. He has promised salvation. How exciting is that? He has promised no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying. Get away from this old body and get your new body. Lord, do it now! I'm ready for it. That's hope. The word is more than just a wishful optimism. In the Old Testament, it means to bind together often by twisting. To bind together often by twisting. It refers to the process of making a rope by taking at least two strands of material and twisting them together so you have a rope. Understood this way, hope means that I bring my pain to the Lord on one hand, and the other hand, I bring the promises, the specific promises of God together, and they get bound together to create a rope. To me, It means that we wrap our problems together with God's promises. Do we have problems? Will we have problems? Will we continue to have problems? Yes. 
So we say, okay, I have hope because I have these problems. That's one strand of my rope, but I also have the promises of God. So I'm going to wrap them together, and they become a rope. Ecclesiastes 4 says that we add God's provision to his promises and our problems. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So the third strand is a Savior. Jesus Christ, born on Christmas, crucified on Good Friday, and raised on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. And so we put Jesus and God in this rope along with our problems, and we realize I can have hope in the middle of my circumstances. See, with Him wrapped around our lives, then we understand what safety is. We understand what security is. We understand how we can have hope. The word hope is used 52 times in the New Testament. And it's always connected in some way to God. Now you have a homework assignment. You can go Google and look up, what are those 52 verses? And then you have one verse for every week for the next year for 2021 because who knows what that's going to be like. And you could have hope verses for the whole year, but it's your job to find them because you can do that. By its very definition, hope is something that's invisible. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul urges us, fix our eyes not on what is seen, but at what is unseen. He's speaking of our Savior, and our Savior is where we find hope. Romans 8 says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what we already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Again, he's referring to the Lord's going to return one day. That's what his reference is. And so we hope. But how do we then, if we have this idea of hope, how do we hold on to that? How do we hold on to hope and how do we not lose hope? Well, I think there's three things we can look at. One is past promises. The, the Old Testament looked forward to the coming of Christ as God progressively revealed his plan little by little to send his promise one. Isaiah in chapter 64 pleads, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. What were they looking for? Lord, we're ready for you to return. They were hoping the same things we're hoping for. That this was fulfilled when Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. They were looking forward. You were in the heavens and you come down. Would you come to us? God came down at Christmas. And the first half of the Bible, we read of people hoping and longing and waiting for what? A Savior. They're like, when's this rescuer going to come? When's the Savior going to come? And after Jesus is born, we see this longing is fulfilled. A woman named Anna is an example of this in Luke 2 because when she sees the baby Jesus, she gives thanks and she speaks about heaven's child and says to all who were looking forward to redemption. It's a reference to the Old Testament prophets. It's a reference to those who are looking for the redeeming Savior, and they're looking forward to when Jesus was going to come. So the past promises we hold on to, but also we hold on to the present help. See, no matter what we're walking in right now, no matter how much pain there is maybe crushing you or you're struggling against, or how much failure you're feeling, you can count on God to help now, right now in 2020, the last Sunday of the year, Psalm 46, 1 says, God is an ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present help in trouble. I mean, just think about the trouble maybe you've dealt with in the last 30 days. It may be something small. I lost my keys. That's troublesome. It may be something huge. I lost my job. 
God is present, an ever-present help in trouble. David Jeremiah has written a book called A Bend in the Road in which he explains how everyone sooner or later comes up against something unexpected and unforeseen. For him, he says, it was cancer. None of us saw this pandemic coming. Matter of fact, you think back to March and we first started hearing about this and I remember them saying, hey, listen, we're going to ask you not to meet as a church. I thought, okay, maybe two Sundays we'll be okay and everything will be back together. I see uh, some of you shaking your heads like, yeah, I remember that. Hey, schools are not going to meet, right? Okay, going to take a little break for, what, a week or two? That was what we thought. We couldn't have saw this coming. Been in the road. For you, it may be unemployment. For you, it may be loneliness. It may be straying children or financial worries or relational rupture that has gone on. This is when Jesus, the hope of heaven, steps into our hurts if we'll allow him. That's when he, he, he does his side of, of being part of the rope that strengthens us. Lamentations 3 says that the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The advice I can give is that in the middle of all this, and as we turn this corner, we must continue to seek him. We must continue to pursue Him. We must continue to look. Where is God? And I'm going after God. See, the key isn't to hope for something. It, 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 for something, it is to hope in someone. Many times we're hoping for something. I'm hoping that the virus stops. I'm hoping we get back to school. I'm hoping the job goes back to normal. I'm hoping church life comes back to normal. We're hoping in something versus hoping in someone. Not to hope for something from God, but to put our hope in God. That's how we make it through this life. That's how we walk with our eyes looking forward. Romans 5 tells us pain has a place in God's plan. Suffering has a, a place because suffering gives us the opportunity to persevere and to change our character so that we end up having hope that doesn't disappoint. And we know in James it tells us to consider our trials in the opportunity for joy. And so, even though we go through trials, how do we have hope? Well, we, we see these suffering uh, opportunities as stepstones to joy and to hope. Psalm 25 says, No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. In other words, uh, that's a hope that we can trust. I, I love what David Henderson writes. He says, Despair comes when we believe what our eyes tell us, that when difficult circumstances play their hand, the game is over. There is no trump card, no other hand to be played. Hold fast to hope means being unwilling to let circumstances have the last word. Despair says circumstances tell us what is true about God. Hope says God tells us what is true about our circumstances. You stop and think about whatever circumstance maybe you're walking in or what circumstances may come down the road in the next coming months or coming years. Our hope must be in God Almighty. So we look at past promises and we look at present help, but we also look at the future glory. There's a future element to hope. It reminds me of the old scene from the Peanuts cartoon. I just love this illustration. I've used it many times where Lucy and Linus are sitting in front of the TV 
And Lucy says to Linus, get me a glass of water in her snarkily, sad, you know, mouthy way. And Linus looks surprised and asks, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for, for me. To which Lucy promises, on your 75th birthday, I'll bake you a cake. Linus gets up and heads towards the kitchen and says, life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. Isn't that true, though? When you have something to look forward to. You look forward to, I'm going on this vacation. It's coming. Can't wait. You look forward to, oh, I have a raise that's coming this day. You look forward to, oh, I'm getting this new vehicle and it's, it's going to arrive. You look forward to, our senses screen that this is all there is in life, though. The sum total of profession plus possessions and the death, and that's it. Because that's this world that we live in. But remember, this world is not our home. We're just passing through this place. We're actually foreigners in this land. But this world tends to rub off on us an awful lot. And so we start to think a lot like this world does. The Bible says that those who are wrapped in a relationship with Jesus Christ have the hope of heaven, a confident assurance of God's promises. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. What are we hoping for? To hope means to wait. Galatians 5 says, encourages us to hang in there. By faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. We wait. We look forward. We know there's better times a-coming. It's only as I place my hope in God that I'm freed from a compulsive pursuit of the next thing that which I think will bring satisfaction to my soul. Hope can help me through a tragedy or a triumph. Jesus is coming again. Emmanuel, God with us. God came in the form of Jesus. He came at Christmas the first time. But the Bible says He's coming back. Do you believe that? Let me ask that again. Do you believe He's coming back? He's coming back. And if you're online you believe He's coming back, would you just say, I believe He's coming back. I believe it's to be real. If we don't have that hope, how do we make it through one day at a time? If we don't have that hope, how do we make it to the next month or the next year? He came and He's coming back. Check out what Titus 2 says. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, while we wait, it's a bit of a waiting game. It's a thing of patience. Some years ago, a government official gave out a phone number for homeowners who are worried about their mortgage payments as interest rates were sky, skyrocketing, he said, the best you, I can do for you and your family is to call 1-800-995-HOPE. The only problem was that it was not the correct number. Instead of being an 800 number, it was an 888 number. So when people called, they got no answer, didn't know what to do. See, most everyone wants a little bit of hope in their life, but I think sometimes we feel like we've been given the wrong number. I'm not giving you the wrong number today. But those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's how you renew your strength. I, I want to give you the right number this morning. If you want to make your, your hope rope, so to speak, stronger, there's at least three decisions I want to challenge you to make today as you turn the corner into 2021 to hold on to this rope that gives you hope, and then you wrap yourself up in, the, in these three numbers. 
some decisions. One, get wrapped up in Scripture. We're turning the corny to January 1, and so many people start making your New Year's resolutions or, or your new goals or, or whatever you want to name. Some people go, I don't do goals. I just have one trying to improve in this area or that area. Well, you get wrapped up in Scripture. Romans 15 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. If your hope is up here and you notice, wow, it's going down and down and down and down and down, Stop and look. Say, have I been in God's Word lately? How am I doing? Hold on to Scriptures. Because circumstances are going to come, and they will continue to come. Paul tells those in Rome, listen, you've got to get in the Word of God. Verse tells us that, that we hold on to hope by being in God's Word. So let me just let you stop and think on that for a moment before I move on to the next one. You know, I've been eating a lot of this week cookies and cookies and candy and I feel it. Brian and I were getting dressed this morning. I said, you notice how when you put on a few pounds, your clothes just don't feel right and you pull off a different shirt and pull off a different shirt and you try a different one? We've all been there. Some of you are probably right there with me. You're like, I feel it. You know what else you feel when you don't read God's Word? You don't read God's Word, you feel the stress you feel the worry, you feel the concern, you feel the overwhelmingness, you feel the tension of the day. But you know when you start reading God's Word, that stuff starts to dissipate. Worries a little bit less, concerns a little bit less, uh, challenges a little bit less. You face the circumstances with, with greater hope and greater awareness. I've shared that video a couple times now in different times in worship, that if you're in the Word of God four times a week, it changes your life. I would say shoot for seven days a week because you're probably going to miss one or two, and so you'll be sure to hit that four. Five minutes here, 10 minutes there, 15 minutes there, let it grow. Now's a great time to figure out what Bible reading plan am I going to follow for 2021? We recommend the YouVersion Bible app. But there's a lot of them out there. And start a steady diet. Just as you're eating all the cookies of Christmas, say, God, I want to crave your word like that. I wish, just as I walk by that counter and go, don't touch that cookie. And then I open it up and I get a cookie. I wish that was my desire for God's word. That I just go, oh, i got to stop home. I'm reading God's word. Okay, moving on now the day. That's what we should be praying for. God, give me a hunger for your word. Another decision is to get wrapped up in the Savior. Jesus is Savior. In fact, that's what his name means. And Matthew 1 says that Joseph was to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And we're sinners in need of a Savior. The way to have hope is to have the Holy One in your life. Colossians 1, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When he's, when he's in you, he is your, your Savior. You have a, re, a relationship with him. You get to know him. You let him get to know you. You put your trust in him. The first part of John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh. This is the single most unique quality of Christianity that makes us different from any other religion. That God became flesh at Christmas. That Jesus is the visible Word of God. Theologians call this the incarnation, where God came out of heaven and came to us as a baby. The infinite second person of the Trinity, who created all things according to John 1.1, became the soft, cuddly, crying baby who had to have a diaper changed and had to learn to walk 
and learn to talk and learn to stumble and learn life. The collision of deity is what Max Lucado says. The collision of deity and humanity had its full expression in Jesus when the infinite became an infant. See, God became one of us in order to get a message of hope to us. The message paraphrase puts it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He moved into our lives. For 33 years, God moved into our neighborhood. The NIV says that Jesus made his dwelling among us, which literally means to make one's tent. He came and brought his tent in amongst us and popped it up and said, I'm living with you. When I was growing up as a kid, we did a lot of camping. And I know that when you camp, they give you this little tiny plot of ground, if you're at a camp uh, ground, and they say, that's your spot, and then right there's their spot, and right behind you is their spot, and right behind you is their spot, and before long, you know who your neighbors are, because it's kind of hard to go camping and not get to know your neighbors, because you have tents that are pitched all around one another, and everyone kind of knows your business, so to speak. To say that Jesus pitched his tent implies that he wants to be on a familiar term with us. He wants to know our business. He wants to know our lives. He wants to care about us like that. He wants to be close. He wants a lot of interaction. He wants to wrap that blanket of love, that that relationship of a Savior to intermingle that relationship with us. So we get wrapped up in Scripture. We get wrapped up in a Savior. And lastly, I would encourage you to get wrapped up in salvation. You can unwrap hope through salvation today. Most, I would say, in this room, and probably many online today, probably aware of what I'm going to share with you today, but I think it's great for us to be reminded and great for us to review and say, okay, am I there walking with the Lord? How do we get wrapped up in salvation? Well, first of all, we've got to admit that we're sinners. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 says that those who don't have heaven's child in their life are without hope and are without God. So we have to have heaven's child. That's Jesus in our life. First Chronicles 29 says that our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. In other words, a shadow is here one day and gone the next unless you have hope. It's important to admit our hopelessness apart from Christ and our own sinfulness. And so we've got to own it and say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I fall short of God's plan. And so what do we do with that? Well, we ask for help. We cry out, the hope of heaven, Emmanuel, who is Jesus, came to take away our sin. Praise God. The Savior came to save us from our sins, but it's not automatic. We must ask Him to do so. If you want hope today, you want help today, we just a simple cry out, Lord, help me. Lord, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. Lord, rescue me from myself. Rescue me from this way of life. It's a simple prayer. It's a simple cry out saying, Lord, I need your help. And then you accept Christ as Savior. When the angel made his announcement to the shepherds, he personalized a proclamation in Luke 2. He says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He was born to you individually. He came for each of us. Another definition of hope is to trust time to trust God, to be born into Him. Have we done that? If you have, that's time to say, thank you, Lord Jesus. If you haven't, it's time to say, let's not get to 2021 without accepting Jesus as my Savior. I heard someone say these these words years ago, and they're so true. Life with Christ 
is an endless hope. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. Think about that for a moment. Life with Christ is an endless hope. It's a hope that continues on for eternity. But life without Christ is a hopeless end. It's an eternity without Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 refers to hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Once we've accepted Christ, Paul says, listen, you get baptized, unite with Christ in baptism. Romans 6 says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death like, like his, we'll certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is our way of unwrapping that gift that God's given to us. We love to help you make that decision. You've never been baptized. We believe in baptism by immersion. We think that's the most accurate to Scripture. That's why we have a baptismal pool. Now, I'll warn you, that's been filled this morning, so it's a little chilly. But years ago, I did a chilly baptism, and a lady said, I can handle it if you can handle it. So today, you want to end the year, and you say, I want to get baptized. I've never done that before. Then we'd love to help you on that journey. If you're online with us, you're like, I want to know more about that. Maybe today's just beginning of the conversation. You can, put a com- you can put a comment on there and say, let's start a conversation. Or here in a moment, as we have our communion, we continue in worship. You can move to the cross, and let's just begin a conversation. And let's talk about what is this baptism thing about. See, we don't know what life will hold in 2021. We have no clue. I think when we turn the corner to 2020, all of us had no clue what was going to happen. But we know the one who holds us. We know the one who lovingly wraps his, his blanket of love around us. And the question is, are we going to trust him by being in his word? Are, are we going to trust him by walking with our Savior? Traditionally, Christmas is looked at as a moment when time changes, when B.C. became A.D. Today can be the day that, that we change as well. We can either change our walk with Christ and say, I, I'm going to quit playing games, or we can become new in Christ and say, I accept Him as my Savior. If you want to experience that hope, then you've got to welcome into your world. And that's for all of us. It's too easy to walk through this world trusting circumstances and not trusting Christ. Allow Him to wrap Himself around you so that you know how to cope and know how to have hope and how to hold on to that hope. Let's bow our heads and pray.